This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rex. And I'm Link. Uh, this week at the Round Table of Dim Lighting, we're going to grease you up for Thanksgiving. Oh, gosh. Like a turkey. You know how you rub the turkey with stuff before you put it in the thing to then go through the process so you can then ex- eat it? That's what we're doing to your ears right now. What, what do you know about that process? Uh, I've been, I, I used to flip through the channels on a television, I would see people preparing turkeys. And Sometimes pre- internet videos float around of people preparing turkeys in new creative ways. And we, your we interpretation in was that they were greasing it up? Yeah, you just grease it up and then it's kinda like a, it's kinda like a pig that you're trying to, um, I know that would be pork, but it, that you were, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to chase. Yeah, turkey, like trying to corral a, a turkey pig. is like a pig. That's greased. Yeah. I can tell you don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen unless you're eating. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna baste. We're gonna baste you. We're gonna baste your ears. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> All the mental pictures that you're creating for people. Cause this Have is. Have you seen a turkey baster before? This is the week of. Um, they look like some sort of dropper for a, for an ogre. Of, you know what I'm saying? A dropper for an ogre. <laughs> that, this is the week to be thankful, man. We've, we've designated that We've designated it and we can get it out of our system. So the rest of the year we don't have to be thankful at all. No, that's not true, is it? This is an opportunity for to us be, to, to, be to especially, exercise. Especially thankful. The, to the, focus on gratitude. To focus on gratitude and so we're happy to do that. We're gonna do that uh, today. Um, we dedicated an entire chapter of the Book of Mythicality to um, what we called throwback thanks. And we're gonna get into, what, what we didn't do in the book was um, when we thanked some people, we didn't get into a lot of the backstories or like we weren't able to fully flesh out why we were thanking these people. We limited it to a couple of note card sized thank you notes within mm-hmm. our book. So um, we just thought this would be a fun opportunity for us to uh, to expound on those things. So we're gonna do that today. We're also gonna hear some of the throwback thanks from you mythical beasts. Yeah. Uh, but first, um, you know. You're still greased up from your. My birthday party. Your birthday party. I had a very late birthday party because we've been traveling a whole bunch <laughs> and the only time that we could get um, the venue that we wanted and the band that we wanted mm-hmm. was this particular day. Um, but you told me that, cause you know, I, I had the advantage of turning, you know, there are certain disadvantages of being older than you. Like uh, what? Just being the guy that hits 41st is not, that's not something you wanna sign up for. It's scary. But the advantage that you I know. have recently discovered is that now you have to live up to the party that I threw for myself, <laughs> or really that my wife threw for me. Right, um, well, for months leading up to you crossing the precipice, breaking the seal on 40, um, there were there were murmurs, there were discussions of, of a party. It's like, all right, well, if you're gonna have a big birthday party, it should be, if, it should be 40. And I was in full support of, of, a, of a great celebration mm-hmm. that I would not have to foot the bill for, right. but I would fully engage in enjoying. But I did put so, it on the company. So, oh, you know, you did? Yeah, yeah. oh goodness. <laughs> so, I mean, you threw a big party, man. It was like. It started small and it got a little out of hand. Well, I wouldn't say it started, well, in the conversations that I heard between you and Jesse about this party and the ones that I was involved in, it was like, well, once you decided you were gonna get a band, I don't, which came first, deciding to get a band or knowing about the band and then building a party around the band because. Well, so. Over a year ago, my wife said, or probably right after I turned 39, she was like, now, do you wanna do something substantial for your 40th birthday party? Because mm-hmm. we don't really do big parties for birthdays. It's just not something that, you know, Jesse's, we're usually back home in North Carolina for her birthday. My birthday always comes in the middle of a really, really busy time for us. October's always really busy. So mm-hmm. we just haven't thrown parties. But when she, she said that, I was like, I think I wanna have a party on a boat and I want Harbor Party, the band, to play. That was the, uh, That's all I said at that time. 
So, oh, so you thought about both? Yeah, it was a package deal in your mind. I, I thought it was from the moment we saw that band, which you should tell them who Harbor Party is. Well, because that's yeah. that's the linchpin of this entire experience. Well, in, first in of my all, mind. a lot of people did a lot of social media at the party, and a lot of that spread. And so there's a lot of people who who are you know the people the mythical beasts who do a lot of digging on the internet to find out things they already know all about this because there was a lot of Snapchats oh, really? and Insta stories. I mean, I've seen myself singing that freaking song a million times from a bunch of different angles because everybody was filming it. <laughs> but uh, what were we saying? What, what, what was the question you asked me? Harbor Party. Who Harbor is Party. Harbor Party? So Harbor Party is a band that we saw play together for the first time at Good Times at Davy Wayne's, a, a club, a music club in Hollywood. But but not I, just any I never, band. To call them a band is almost well, I'm, first not of all, even fair. I've never been to a music club and watched a band play that I, like I've seen bands because I buy a ticket to their concert. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't think I've ever been to a club, period, actually. I've been to like a club for like somebody's party who had a party at a club. But, but I don't do the clubbing thing. But our friends, Gar and Rebecca, knew about this band because Gar's brother was Friends with the lead really singer. close friends with the lead singer, and they were like, "You're gonna love this band. You're gonna love this venue. We should all go and hang out." And this venue, it looked kind of like a when you get inside, it's low ceilings and a couple of rooms, and it it looks like um a frat house inside. Like you're literally in a house, but it's a very very cool, very 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 cool, cool place, and um. Then in the corner of and one of these. And it's also like a speakeasy when you get, you, when yeah, you walk into the lobby, secret. it looks like uh, just a room, a little shop with like uh, a refrigerator in it. Oh yeah, you walk through the refrigerator. And you walk through the refrigerator. To get into and this then place. all of a sudden you're in this music How club. How awesome is that? And then without any stage, just in the corner, just like you would have a house party band, there's a band playing over there and it's the band that they wanted us to see, Harbor Party, and they're playing Yacht Rock. Which, Only Yacht Rock. Which we've learned that not oh, a lot I, of people knew what yeah. Yacht Rock was. I was surprised because Yacht Rock is my favorite type of music. I mean, basically, to explain it to you, it's um, it's like late 70s, early 80s um, soul music that is mostly played by white people. I'm just gonna be, you know, honest. That's like that's what they call blue-eyed soul. Like now, a, like a Michael McDonald, yeah, Doobie Brothers, Hall and Oates, yeah. It's like when white people are getting getting as funky as they possibly can. Right. It's like the limit of white funk. With and it so, and you make fun of it by saying, "Well, now you, if you get a a rich guy on a yacht, this is the music he listens to because it's kind of like." It's kind of second rate. It's, it's kinda, a little it's, embarrassing. It's easy listening, but it's also a little funky. But it's not so funky that you begin to you're going to hurt yourself. Right. You can still like have a fishing rod. And and so I would respect anyone. I would not argue with anyone saying, yeah, but it's not the real deal. If you, I mean, if you want to talk about funk, you can talk about James Brown. Right. right you're going right, to talk right, about right. somebody who actually brings the funk. It's derivative. This of is James this Brown. is derivative. Right. But it's still incredible. And it's like smoothed out and for for palatability of people on yachts, I guess. I don't right. know. Now, um, and, and these guys, so everybody in this band. And if Michael McDonald sings a song, then you're gonna bet that that's a Yacht Rock song. Right, so. I keep forgetting we're not in love anymore. And everybody in the band is a professional musician uh, in their own right, and usually a part of another band or like a studio musician. So they're great at their particular instrument, whether it's the voice or the bass or the keyboards or whatever. Everybody is just an incredible musician. Professionally. And then they all come together really as a side project yeah. to form this band that plays at places like Good Times at Davy Wayne's, but they also will do parties. And just like I told everybody at my party when I got up to give my little birthday boy speech, Everyone underestimates it. Like when you say right. this is a great band, people are like, "Okay, why are you making such a big deal out about about this band?" And then you see them and experience it in person. You're like, well, "I can't, I can't fathom this." But I will say that there was definitely a little bit of a segregation between mm. the old people, 
me, you, us. us getting into our late 30s, and then the like right in the sweet spot of millennials that we have working for us. Yeah. And I and, I, and it, there was there was this moment where we were up there like dancing our just dancing our butts off, just like having the greatest time. And I kind of looked back and like saw uh, like a sea of millennials, and I realized that <laughs> we have become our parents, or like just Th- this sad is sad like, uncles. This is like when I went to a part, like I would see my parents like get really excited about fifties music when I was growing up. Yeah, and I was always like, that song is good, it's good stuff, but like it's a little embarrassing when mom and dad right. start dancing to like the Four Seasons. You know what I'm saying, yeah, or yeah. Chuck Berry, or something like that. And you know what makes it even sadder? For us, we don't have yachts. Yeah, we don't. You know, we should I mean, look into that. If we had a yacht, then you'd be like, "Yeah, but I got a yacht. I mean, I'm on it. I'm oh. dancing on the yacht." Well, and come, so that was the idea. Was well to come get, full circle. Yeah, I wanted to have a yacht rock band on a yacht. Then I looked into uh, how much that costs, <laughs> <laughs> and very quickly learned that that was not what I wanted to do. I could have had like a John boat party. That would have been that would have been a, an a, intimate affair. affordable, but I re- I wanted to have you know like uh, around a hundred people at this thing. So if you want to put a hundred people on a boat, it's and gonna like, sink. And if it's John boat, it's gonna sink. Yeah. So we quickly downgraded be under the sea thing from boat to uh, to to club, which I thought was just the perfect venue for those guys. It had a nice stage, uh, but Jesse planned a lot of a lot of the it was details. Perf- it was perfect. There wasn't. There was the stage, and then there was like a a bar behind the you know behind the stage, and then in between in between the bar and the stage, there was like a little dance floor, but not not too big to where, with that amount of people, it was like everything was full, so it didn't seem like there was like a big gap where some somebody should have been, but they weren't. And here's the one thing that I was able to do because I didn't have it on a boat. Jesse thought it would be a great idea to get a lobster roll food truck. Mm. She's a genius. That was so good. And uh, the cousin's main lobster food truck that had two types of lobster rolls, Connecticut style and Maine style. Connecticut is the warm lobster with butter on it, which is the one that I get and I got. And they had lobster bisque, tater tots. It was absolutely incredible. So it was like being on a yacht that was parked and having somebody who had caught lobster and made it into lobster rolls perfectly for you. Mm. And then uh, and then she, you remember the pie hole that we that we shot an episode of Willet Pie at? Yeah, we got pies from Willet Pie Hole because I tried a Earl Grey tea pie when I was in Pasadena at Pie Hole, and I was like, "This is the best thing I've ever eaten." And Jesse said, "I'm going to have that at your birthday party." So it so many so things good. just came together, and and of course I did choose to perform a song with the band, which I was a little intimidated. You know this because I was telling you in the days leading up that <laughs> yeah, little pressure because this is we got really good musicians. You know these professionals. I got to get up there and I got to dance and I got to sing. So I decided to sing not any of the songs that I know that they do so well. I didn't want to ruin any of the songs that they. I wasn't going to sing yeah. any Hall and Oates. I wasn't going to sing any Toto. Wasn't yeah. gonna sing any Michael Jackson. They do Michael Jackson, which is not exactly That's yacht, not rock, yacht rock. But they throw in some. some you can't. If somebody starts playing Michael Jackson, you you're yeah, not yeah, gonna yeah. stop them. Um, so I was like, I'm not gonna sing any of the songs that I'll screw up. But it's got to be a song that people will recognize and I can actually sing. So I sing, Brandy. And first, per- parenthetically, you're a fine girl. Stevie and Cassie both thought. So when I talked to Cassie about this, she, I was like, I'm performing a song, and she's like, What are you singing? I was like, Brandy. And then she th- went and told Stevie that I was performing a Brandy song oh, from God. Brandy. And so then when the band started playing, like the whole night, Cassie was like, I don't understand how Rhett's gonna perform a Brandy song and how this is gonna make sense. <laughs> and then when she I performed was... Brandy by Looking Glass, a one hit wonder who recently has come back into you know, the public eye because they're on the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. But mm-hmm. uh, she was like, makes a whole lot more sense. And anyway, you you were concerned what, about it because tell the, me your the, pers- day, the day the days leading up to it, there'd be like a lull in our conversation where we were talking about work or something else, and then you'd be like, "I gotta learn those lyrics to Brandy," <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, I think it would be great if you just kind of like mumbled your way through it because that's kind of how he sings, He's like Brandy." And I almost did that. I was committed to that for a couple of days. But I was worried, it was kind of a risk. I was worried that people might not get it, you know? So I took all this time to memorize the lyrics. 
Yeah, you did. And then they had just had the lyrics on an iPad up there. <laughs> so I took, I spent hours. Uh, hours? Yeah. <laughs> and and then. Uh, well, here's my experience. I'm out there just having the time of my life, man. I was happy for you that you were indeed 40 and you know what, you didn't look that decrepit. I mean, you got on stage, you performed a song. I was like, there's hope for me. Right. But then my hope started to dash a little bit because one person came up and asked me something. A few minutes later, another person comes up, asked me the same thing. Mm -hmm. A few minutes later, somebody else is talking to me and then changes the subject to say the same thing. Right. Everyone was asking me, what are you gonna do for your party? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, man, I. I was thinking about it a little bit, but I didn't realize everybody else was thinking about it. A couple of people com- like complimented me on the party and then realized that it wasn't my party. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, Some people associated so closely that I got compliments and I was like, yeah, it's great, Chris, isn't it? Christy said the same thing. I did not spend a dime on this. That somebody came up to her and was like, great party. <laughs> so I don't, I, I mean, my response at the time would be like, yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but you're invited. And then by then I'm like, I'm not doing anything and you're not invited. You're just gonna go on a trip? I'm just, I, I, was, I was like, I gotta go in a totally different direction. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll take like what they call a sabbatical. I'll take a 4-0 sabbatical, like 40 minutes on my own. I'm trying to keep it small. Like I want 40 minutes to myself. Well, I don't know. I I feel like we should figure out a way for you to. I don't want. I can't have any other band. I feel like. Hold on. But let's think about this. Here's what. Here's another. Maybe it'll be Brandy. Speaking of the book, because we have a chapter in the book called "Throw a Party That Doesn't Suck," and Mm. I and I got to say that that chapter wasn't necessarily my favorite chapter of the book. Um, You know. uh, because I was like, this isn't as, I mean, we told a funny story about going to the, the party at Red Foo's house, which is a really funny thing, but uh, inter- it was a little more friv- frivolous if you have to like rank the chapters from like, yeah. you know, applicability to your life and then friv- frivolity, is that a word? Throwing a party that doesn't suck, I would have said this is a pretty frivolous thing, but having thrown a party that, you know, Jesse and I threw everything we could at this party mm-hmm. to make it great, and we talked on the way there that how we were more concerned about everyone else enjoying themselves than we were enjoying it ourselves. Kind of like your, your your wedding. Yeah, but so many people came up and said they had such a great time. In fact, one of our friends came up and he had had a few drinks, but he said, this is the best night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And What a sad friend. Having heard that from multiple people. It was a pretty good night. It just made me, it made me so happy, I was like, People had such a good time. It may, This is giving me a new perspective on parties oh, and t- throwing parties and I feel like it lived up to the standard that we set in the book to throw a mythical party. And so I don't feel like you can bow out. I feel like you have to embrace this challenge and you've gotta beat me. You gotta throw a better party than me. You gotta have live animals. Oh, you gotta have fire dancers. Oh, we gosh. are gonna get a boat. You can combine you and Chrissy's birthdays together because you guys are gonna be 40 in like within a month or two. Yep. So you got you got that going for you. So financially speaking, it's like you're, I, I get to wait like four years for my wife to turn 40 before we've gotta spend more money on that. You don't You don't have any daughters though. You made that point that like this whole, I right. mean, if. You have if, to pay for a wedding. I mean, does that hold true anymore? I don't know. Is I that mean, true 20, in California? It's 2017. I think I hope that, not. I think that that tradition is changing a little bit. I can bit. funnel all of that money into, into my own party? I don't know. I, don't, I haven't talked to anybody who's gotten married recently, but I, it's probably more collaborative than it used to be. I hope so. It's probably not just like the, the bride's family pays for the whole thing. I don't know. You, you should negotiate that. You know, don't worry about that. That's years away. I hope so about that too. I just think we gotta figure out a way to, man, you, you got, I you think. You want me to buy, I, and I, I, a lot a, of kids. I've got an idea. I definitely want I've got lots, a, lots of kids, like toddlers there. I've got an idea and I will make it my mission <laughs> oh, to, you're... together with you to make this happen. I, there is one way that we, can, that we can do better than Harbor Party. Lionel Richie. Did you hear You just my... burped because it was so emotional. I, it wasn't a burp. Your it was soul like... just tried to escape and came back in. <laughs> that, came, that noise came out of like, my. if I had a trach, that's where that, that's where that 
noise would have come out of. We are going to make it our mission. <laughs> we have, how many months do we have? We, we, we've seven, got over six seven. months for us to figure out how we get Lionel Richie to play at you and your wife's 40th birthday party. But then you've spoiled the surprise because I would want it to be a surprise to everybody. Well, you gotta, well, no, Including we Including me, by we, the way. We gotta go public with this. In order to get him on board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, but I'd still like Harbor Party to back him up. <laughs> and I would like him to I'm sing. I'm sure he's got a pretty good band. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. And, and it will be on a yacht. I will help you. I will help you make that a reality. Maybe a private I, I, jet. I, I, there will be no hard feelings at all if you get a hovercraft to play at your birthday party. I feel like that's, that's really you don't have a choice at this, at this point. Mm. You could go on a sabbatical though if you don't get Lionel. I mean, I was definitely thinking I'm just gonna go on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely what I've been thinking. Because uh, I get so, you know how nervous I get when people, when I'm in charge of making people happy. Yeah. But you gotta understand, I felt the same way and having been through it, I I've been feeling so good this week because so many people have sent emails and texts just like, I had such a good time. But but it, you it need people to tell you that you're cool. I don't need that. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I have more to lose than to gain. No, if you have Lionel Richie there. Okay. And if you don't have Lionel Richie, we'll get a Lionel Richie impersonator and we'll keep the lights low. And you put him at a distance. Yeah. He's over there, stay <laughs> over there. Contractually, he does not allow us to come close to him. Okay. I'll, I'll think about it. Think about it, uh, we're gonna continue with this, but first, Ear Biscuits is supported by Nature Box. Now we like to eat, we like to snack. We actually recently uh, were on one of our stops for the Tour of Mythicality, and the place we were playing at had, I don't know how this worked out, but they had their own homemade ho-hos. Homemade ho-hos. Homemade ho-hos, and a whole tray logs. of them. Yeah. And I was like, mm, I shouldn't, That's I shouldn't. Trouble. And then I did and I ate one, I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is so good. And then I had like six of them before we did our show. I was a little sluggish because you know what they, they did? They tasted real good, but they were real, real bad for me. Yeah. That ain't the question with Nature Box, no. You can have it be good for you and taste good. Yeah, they've got over 100 snacks that taste good and are better for you, just like Rhett said. All snacks are made from high quality, simple ingredients, which means no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners, so you can feel good about what you're eating. I, as I was eating that log, I just, I was like, this is not the right choice for me. The log. I mean, <laughs> the Nature Box gives you lots of great choices. Um, if you want something savory, hickory smoked turkey jerky. Mm. If you want something chocolatey, mocha almond bar. Mm. If you want something peanut buttery, and you know I do, mini peanut butter oatmeal cookies. Oh. And if you want something crunchy and a little salty, salt and pepper lentil loops, and a whole lot more. But yes. th those are my favorites right now it that is I'm crushing on. Very simple, you just go to naturebox.com, choose the snacks you want, and Naturebox will deliver them right to your dog. <laughs> to your dog? To your dog? Well, They're not dog yeah, treats. If your dog is at the door, is what I meant to say. <laughs> deliver them right to your dog, assuming you have a dog that guards the door, <laughs> like everybody does. But assuming that you don't have a dog that guards your door, they'll just deliver them right to your door. And there is no risk at all. If you ever try a snack you don't like, don't eat it, Nature Box will replace it for free. And right now, Nature Box is offering you a 50% discount off of your first order. So go to naturebox.com slash ear to make sure you get that. Naturebox.com slash ear for 50% off your first order. Naturebox.com slash ear. Now on with the biscuit. Um, In the book, we talked about hashtag TBT, but how we changed it to be throwback thanks, where it's the phenomenon where you reflect on uh, milestones in your life and then realize that people played a role in that, yet you forgot to thank them. Or you were thankful, but you didn't articulate it. And you know what? It's never too late to go back, as we proved when in our uh, documentary, Looking for Miss Locklear, when we, we tracked down our first grade teacher who introduced us to each other and thanked her. It was an extremely rewarding experience for us. She actually contributed to the book to rehash some of that. Um, it's rewarding for everybody to, to express thanks. It's never too late. So um, in an effort to encourage you to do that, I, I, wanna, I wanna go through some of ours from the book. Again, in the book, we just had some thank you notes that, that we gave throwback thanks to people. And, um, but we didn't get into the story, so we can give a, give a little of that. To wet your palate, 
we ask you guys um, to give some throwback thanks. And um, I'm just gonna go with some of the lighthearted ones. A lot of you guys publicly thanked a lot of people sincerely from the heart and I really enjoyed reading through those and it's powerful because you did it through the internet, that was kind of the idea and it finds its way to those people um, which is super cool um, just for the sake of time and uh, tone. I'm gonna go with some of the more lighthearted. Time and tone. Eve said, some bloke on a train who Matrix jumped through the closing doors to give me my gloves that I'd left on my seat. Oh wow. Somebody, and then uh, Eve never got to thank him and never found out if he got another train or if he was just stuck there. You know, so then. He probably isn't still hashtag there. Hashtag throwback thinks. He's, uh, you know, she got her gloves. Wow, that, I, I don't know if I would've done that. I would've thrown the gloves. I would've gotten to the edge, just throwing them and just hope that they made it to the platform. I wouldn't have sacrificed myself. That's a good man. Call Briley gave some throwback thanks. That old lady in the jeepney. I don't know. In the jeep, what? A jeepney. Jeepney? Jeepney. I think it's a vehicle. That old lady in the jeepney that heard me fart but didn't react at all. I guess she understood me. Uh, what would the, the, the fart say? Yeah, don't acknowledge yeah, what's me? The, what's to understand here? Uh, well, the point is calls being um, grateful. Well, sometimes it's never you, too sometimes late. you want to be acknowledged. Sometimes if it's a big one, you might want to wink or you might want a <laughs> thumbs up or something, you know, a smile, just something to know you've done your job. Evil Snail said, hashtag throwback thinks, I would like to thank whoever invented the word moist because now I can make everyone eternally cringe. Yeah, everybody hates the word moist. It doesn't make me cringe, I I love it. I'm particularly fond of it, personally, yeah. Moist, brownie wouldn't be edible without it. Without moist. Caroline Tatar, <laughs> T-A-T-A-R, man. I'm so, I don't know why I laughed at the name. Don't laugh at her name. I laughed at the way you said it. Hashtag throwback apology. Yeah, sorry. She'd like to thank whoever looked at chicken and thought to fry it. Also, the other beautiful soul who looked at fried chicken and thought to put it in nugget form. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough. That's tough to narrow down. You probably, you I probably mean, can't you can't can't pinpoint the person who first fried chicken. You can probably pinpoint the first nugget. At least you know, like you know, a professional nugget. I'm sure some grandma made a nugget first. Nugget's just a little piece of a chicken that fell in the fryer, man. Right. I'm sure it was parallel invented in many places. Um, we're gonna get into some of ours here. Where do you wanna start? Because there's a lot of these and we can't get through all of them, but anywhere you wanna start is well, fine with me. I, I'd really like to start with Dick Bowser. Okay, friend uh, of your dad's. Uh, so here's what it says in the book. Dick Bowser, thank you for nearly choking on a piece of meat at a Myrtle Beach steakhouse. We literally think about you every time we eat meat and throw in a few extra chews just for you. This is very true, and uh, we actually, back when we had our show, The Rhett and Linkcast Live, what is it, 10 years ago now? Could have been, yeah, 2007, 2008, um, yep. We would do our show on Ustream Live every week down in the basement in Lillington, and occasionally we had we guests. We started having guests, yeah, my dad was a guest. Yeah. Um, we brought Dick well, Bowser Well, my, my grandparents were in the audience every week and most of the time Papa would fall asleep during yeah, the live yeah, broadcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we started putting a camera on them and we would, <laughs> we switched the camera ourselves. Yeah. I, I, I would, we got real high tech by the end of it. We had like that camera switcher. Mm -hmm. And I would just switch to the camera of them. Nodding off. He's just kinda like nodding off, <laughs> sitting on the couch. <laughs> But yeah, uh, we had Dick Bowser. We had come him on in. because I think at the time, no relation to uh, King Bowser. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't from, have spikes from on his Super back. Super Mario Brothers. Although every time he jumps up, I do run under him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad you thought that was funny. <laughs> what is that thing that like and hit the thing that then makes it's a, a weird like axe? That if you hit the axe, the bridge falls. I mean. I listen. I went to. I was a civil engineer. I got a civil engineering degree. I don't know. And the way that that bridge works in Mario Brothers is not sound. 
right? Or logical. There's just it's no, there's no way that that could exist. First time I saw a real drawbridge, I was severely disappointed because right. of that. Yeah, you kept hitting that axe and nothing happened. Yeah, I don't. It looked kind of like a haystack to me, like a little loaf of hay. Really? I don't know. You think it's an axe? I think it's just a switch. It's like a medieval switch of some sort. I really can't picture it right now. So anyway, Dick Bowser. So Dick Bowser uh, works with uh, my dad. He's uh, he, he teaches law with my dad and they play golf together like every week. But Dick was down in uh, Myrtle Beach with his wife and maybe his entire family and eating at a steakhouse in Myrtle Beach. You, oh, you, you weren't do. there? No. Oh, you just heard about it. I just tell, I tell the story in such a compelling manner that you assume that I was present. <laughs> um, but what happened was, is he was having dinner and he choked on a piece, of, began to choke on a piece of steak. And uh, it was very serious, very quickly. Like one of those like lodged deep, no air, oh. like full on, if we don't get this out of my trachea, I will die situations. And there happened to be a man who saw him struggling. I think he was a doctor. Isn't that how the story goes? You don't have to be a doctor to know how to do this, but he was qualified in some way. And he came up and he did the Heimlich on him and he shot that piece of steak out across the restaurant. And Dick Bowser, at least at the time, last time we checked in with him, had not eaten steak again. I mean, that is traumatizing for everybody involved. It's like drowning in front of your family. And they're just sitting there oh, was in yeah. scuba gear just watching you. Yeah, I uh, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine. And that happens all the time. I mean, it's like a really, really common cause of death too, choking. Because there's so many, I mean, you, you keep sending that mail down south, something's gonna end up in the wrong destination. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Odds, odds are not in your favor. Yeah, that whole trachea and esophagus coming together thing, that's, uh, that's an engineering flaw. And so I, I think that he told us that story and then we had him on um, the show to talk about it. I don't remember Man, how we that had conversation a lot of, went. You remember, we also had one of the people who was on the plane that Sully landed in, in the, the Hudson. Hudson. Mike Comensberger. He's a friend of a friend. Yeah, well, I know he's a friend. I mean. I, I didn't know him, but so we I had. Know, I know, I knew him pretty well at the time. We had him on a call like just a few weeks after it happened. Yeah, he was freaking standing on the wing in that picture of all the, pe the famous picture of the plane in the Hudson. He's one of the people standing on the wing. We had him on our show and we were like, this is it, we're doing it. We like, we got an internet show and we got this guy on the wing of the plane talking no, to us. Nobody cared though. He was not still on the wing. No, no, no. No, the, the, the loyal mythical beast cared, but oh, it yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it was such a, what's the word, nascent form of entertainment. It was, very, it was very insular. But I will say that uh, I actually do think. And the Dick Bowser thing. No, I, that didn't cause any ripples across the internet either. But it caused a ripple in me and you. And that's now first all of all, you already, oh, yeah. you already lived by this because what your Nana told you. Yeah, but, to me this is just like I told you so. But I have been, you know, I eat like a vacuum and so it's if it you know I am moving my mouth the whole time, but I'm also constantly swallowing. And so if something just reaches the back of the, it's like hungry hippos. If something gets in, it's <laughs> going down. You know what I mean? That's that's how I eat. Yeah, and it is. but now when I eat anything that ha it has a chokeability to it, you see Dick's face. Yeah, every time I'm eating meat, I see Dick's face. <laughs> <laughs> You little Bowser. Uh, so, but I tell that to my kids all the time, time too, because it's like, you know, if they're eating meat, I'm like, don't be a Dick Bowser. Yeah, you boys, you know, you be a Dick Bowser now. The Dick Bowser of today, yeah, doesn't eat meat and or doesn't eat steak and and doesn't choke. Chew that meat. Thank you, Dick Bowser. What's the next one that you wanted to talk about? I know you looked at these. I can tee it up, tee it up for me. I'll talk about it. Um, Garfield-shaped phone. Oh, there's a picture of this to prove that I had the Garfield-shaped phone. In that picture, you can also see that I have uh, a goofy-stuffed goofy animal. And a, and a. And a sailor boy teddy bear-stuffed animal. And a bulletin board with a, a Tony the Tiger tail. 
that I got from a Frosted Flakes mail-in rebate thing. And then a license plate that says for fun. Four dash fun, yep, that, that was me, the Linkster. Four dash fun, and I'm wearing a shirt that says Palmetto on it, which is not a brand I am familiar with. I think that's like it's a, a cigarette. It's like a casino or something. You're wearing a cigarette shirt. <laughs> but I'm posing, talking on my new Garfield phone. Whenever you pick up the phone, um, now this is one of those phones that plugs into a wall. They don't; those don't exist anymore. Right. When you pick up the phone, Garfield will wake up. Yeah, His eyes would he, open. He watches you have a conversation. You can go in retro stores, like you can go to downtown Pasadena and go in a store called Retro, and they'll sell these for like seventy bucks. Well, we found one for something. We were going around somewhere. I unapologetically put all this stuff in my room as a kid because I was not self-aware as a child. You were, you were, you were much more self-aware. That's why we make fun of how much I'm smiling, and and you don't smile. You're like you have this like cool look on your face. Trying to be cool. Trying to be cool. Um, I did not have that. Yeah, I mean, I, I had teddy bears, but they were not on display. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They were in the closet. Um, the thank you note said, Garfield shaped phone. Thank you for being the conduit for those couple of extremely awkward conversations I had with Leslie before she decided to dump me for Tyler Hamilton. So we give a shout out to Tyler Hamilton in this throwback, thanks. I wonder when if you he can, knows. Mm, I know a few years back I was having some car trouble back home and he was he was working at the um at the place in Fuquay? where they where they where they fix the cars. What's in, that? In Fuquay. A garage. No, in Lillington. Okay, in Lillington. Well, the funny story about the, so we obviously, you know, we both dated Leslie, yeah. it was our first girlfriend. A lot of awkward conversations and, on um, Garfield phone. I remember, like, I we both dated her for about a month maybe, and it was that middle school relationship where you, when you get to school, you're, you're boyfriend and girlfriend, and maybe you do something like go to a dance together, but then when you try to talk on the phone, at that age, it's just like, with with rare exception, it's just like little boys at age, you know, twelve. Now they just text; they don't even have to worry about it. But, but yeah, back for then, us, we just it was could like, not communicate. It was like stage fright. It, it, was, was, it was such a difficult thing just to speak. And speaking into the torso of the character known as Garfield doesn't help, as it turns right. out. Uh -huh. It's like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip out the middle of Garfield and talk to it. It didn't look like guts in there. But it still was. That would have been a nice touch. That would have been a nice touch. But, but you've told me this story before, and I'm sure we've told it at some point about how you were sitting there with her in school, in school while dating her. Yeah, and then she was writing, she was doodling, and I like leaned over, and she there were hearts and stuff on her page, and there was also I saw that it said Leslie Tyler Peebles. Yeah. Leslie Tyler Peebles. Well, I, I didn't see the Peebles, I just saw Leslie Tyler. No, no, like, no, 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 you didn't. You think I did? You, I specifically remember the story. You came to me and you said, "She's she likes Tyler. She's writing Leslie Tyler Peebles. Yeah. Like they're, like they're married and they took her name. It hurt a and, lot. And I said, Link, that's her full name. Leslie Tyler Peebles was her full name. Oh. And then you were, then you were like, oh, sense of relief. But then within a week, she was dating Tyler. So I was right, <laughs> you jerk. See? I think that, well, yeah, but. We were both right. Yeah, but it, well, that wasn't the sign that she was about to dump you. Thanks, she, Tyler. I, I think she felt your insecurities. Both of you. Um, This is a good one. And I actually have a story, a story that I've heard very recently related to this. Brian Ratledge, thank you for telling us about fiber supplements. We're like clockwork now. This happened in college. Brian Ratledge uh, told us, uh, no, I don't think, we, I think we were, I, I remember being out of college. Okay, that, I, could, that, that could be true. Yeah. I remember being like 23, that sounds right. 24. Yeah. And you know, it's, as, as happens, you, you end up talking about your bowel movements sometimes if you're, if you're with people that you feel close enough to. And uh, he was like, well, let me tell you guys, let me tell you right now, what you need to do is you need to be taking a spoonful of Metamucil every day. You should just do it, just work it into your routine. American diet doesn't have enough fiber, it'll 
It'll it'll do everything. It'll regulate both ways. No matter which way you you swing, it'll get you right back to normal. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, and we both did it. And we it's very both, he was very serious about it. This was not a joking conversation. It wasn't even. Hey, isn't it funny that we're talking about this? Yeah, yeah. He he was so centered. It's serious business that we it gave us pause. Yeah, and then I mean. There's a reason why there's a whole half an hour aisle in like every drugstore dedicated to this stuff. And so now both of us use this on a regular basis, especially when traveling. It's mm-hmm. a, it is the perfect solution to, uh, you know what happens when you travel sometimes and your body is like, nope, hold everything in because I'm traveling. Like I don't know where you're at, don't know where you're going, and the next thing you know, you've gone three days without taking a dump. Yeah, this completely solves that problem. Which is amazing that your body can do that. You know, it's like, how's my body know that I'm traveling? Well, you know and what how it do is? I know that you Leslie's know, middle name is Tyler? My theory it's a mysterious world. You know, my theory about that adaptation is that when back in the day, hunter-gatherer days, you're going into enemy territory. And so you're nervous, you're in a new place, and you don't want to take a dump because that's two two strikes against you. The first strike is you got to stop and take a dump. That's the best time to kill a man. Yeah. When he's taking a dump. Number two, squat and knock them off. You're gonna leave your, you're leaving yourself. You're leaving a clue. Evidence. They're like, that's not our, our people's poop, that's somebody else's poop. Look at that berry, I don't recognize that berry. So there's a survival adaptation to holding your poop for a few days. But when you go to summer camp or you just go on vacation or you, you know, you're just traveling around, you don't wanna hold your poop. It's We're not a, hunter-gatherers. It's a vestigial adaptation. But certainly, Brian Ratledge actually found out that he was thanked in the book because really, Jesse uh, was like, "Oh, somebody tagged Brian Ratledge in a post about your book and said, hey, here.'" And they took the picture of this page and they said, "You're in the book of Mythicality." <laughs> and he was like, "Thanks for letting me know. I had no idea." So he actually found out that he was a recipient of Throwback Thanks. I wonder if he went out and bought one. Went out and bought a book yeah, or that's another a, thing of Metamucil? Both, I, that's why we put his name in there. Was this, at least we'll sell one to Brian. In uh, another one. You may be thinking you should give one to Brian or you may be thinking you should have told Brian that you put this about him in the book. And to both of those I say, well, too late. You, you're probably, yeah, you're probably <laughs> right but we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Uh, chewing tobacco, another substance that we've experimented with. Okay, Thank let, you me, for, let me read. You wanna say that one? Thank you for having such sobering warnings printed on your packaging as well as for tasting absolutely awful. You made us vomit as 16 year olds and then vow to never try you again. Um, It may strike you as odd that uh, two guys that you think seem relatively normal um, would have really gone in hard on some chewing tobacco, Uh, but you gotta understand a, how old we are, and B, where we're from. And C, the sway that Hank Williams Jr. had over our lives at that time. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't wanna dog North Carolina, you know, that much, but you can do it, and then I'll, I'll, I'll defend this a little bit. Well, so it was customary for the boys uh, of our age at our high school to experiment with smokeless tobacco. In fact, the first time that I ever. Well, if you looked out at any window of our high school, you would see a tobacco field. True. So it was just, it was looming. But I mean, I was on probably what is the most preppy, you know, like you're thinking this is the least redneck situation you could be in. I'm on the golf team, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But it was on the golf team that I, to Yacht Rock. that I was introduced to dip. Oh gosh. Which is the, you know, the chewing tobacco that you take and you put in your lip. Mm. Um, of course it gives you mouth cancer and it's horrible for you. But we were young, we didn't know, we didn't care. And also the whole golf team, we you'd put this stuff in your lip. And then of course you do it because you wanna be cool and you and, and then you start doing it because it's it tastes so bad but you're doing it because you want to be cool, and it gives you this. It does give this little effect, you know. You get you get you get this mild effect. But what I, I think you have this similar story. But what I did is I I remember it gives me I get sick thinking about it. I was at home alone, and my parents were were going somewhere for the day, and I had like a whole day at the house, 
and I was like, I'm gonna get myself a tin of cherry skull. Mm-hmm. And I just sat up there in my in the upstairs room watching TV and I just sat there with this just a dip, just sitting sitting there. I wasn't hanging out with it, wasn't experiencing it with anybody. I'm just sitting there with this cherry flavored tobacco, just stinging my bottom lip as I watch TV. And then like an hour and a half later, I stand up and immediately, it's just like I'm super lightheaded and I run to the bathroom and just vomit. How did you get it? Cause it's illegal. I mean, I can tell the story of how we got the chewing tobacco. You just buy it. You just go to the place in Lillington that doesn't ask your age. Well, that is the story, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, Hank William Jr. Hank Williams Jr. had a song. Country uh, boy can't survive. Yeah, and he was he was he was. Um, who was he so angry at? He says, "I had a good friend in, in New, New York, York City. City. He never called me by my name, just Hillbilly. Billy. But he was killed by a man with a switchblade knife for forty three dollars. My friend lost his life." And then it's then it's like bow, 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 bow. I like to fish some beach nothing that dude's eye and shoot him with my old forty five cause a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. So yeah, so it's about shooting somebody. He liked it well, he wanted to spit beach nut in his eye. Now beech nut is a particular brand of chewing, chewing tobacco. tobacco. And it's then a cheap after brand. after in his eye, then you shoot him. Shoot him with a forty-five because I rhymes with forty-five. Now, well, you got to blind him first. Yeah, I'm sure he would never actually do that. He was he was doing what he many artists I, did, like Notorious B.I.G. was playing a character. If you would ask, well, him. he said, "I'd love to." He didn't say, "I would do." Yeah. I'd love to shoot that guy. Yeah, I'm not going to, and I didn't. Right, I'm not admitting anything. But so, of course, we're listening to that. Well, we're well. Yeah, and we latched on to the beach nut part of it. <laughs> we so didn't we, latch on to the 45 part. We no, didn't go out abso- and get a, get a gun. Absolutely not. Um, but what we did do was we went to the corner store. I didn't go to the, I didn't go in Lillington. Um, the one at the dip. Around, around. Right before you go to Womble and Sons. Around the corner from Nana and Papa's house. Yeah. Um, went to that one because I knew that none of my relatives went to that one. Now the the C Mart just a few blocks away is the one that all of my relatives went to, and they uh, they knew all the cashiers and everything. But the um, it wasn't called a Junior Mart, whatever it was called. We went there because I was like, listen, we'll go in there, we'll get us some chewing tobacco, and then we'll we'll get we'll get out, and they won't recognize me. Right. And of course, we get in there, and I'm like, what kind are we gonna get? <laughs> well, what kind do you think we're? We didn't gonna get? discuss it ahead of time. It was just like. Uh, we'll take the beach nut. <laughs> uh, I wonder then, how many beach nut packs were sold because of that song. Um, if he, had a, he could have said Red Man, but he didn't. You open up the pouch and it you just get hit by this strong scent of tobacco with like, I wouldn't say it has a chemical overtone to it, but it's in the, it's like in the same, tobacco. In the same, in the same way you have a physical reaction, like if you were to open like a strong bottle of cleaner and it would be like, oh, and it just like knocks you back a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's how pungent opening a pouch of chewing tobacco is, or di- a can of dip. Right. And it takes a lot of gumption to like pull out a plug of that and then shove it in your cheek. You shove it in your cheek and you slowly chew it and you spit. My, it's one of the nastier habits that there is. My dad did not chew tobacco um, for much of his life, but I do remember when I would visit him on the weekends as a very, very young child, and he was farming tobacco, he would chew tobacco. So I had this subconscious thought that was planted that like my dad, who I just thought was just awesome, I also thought that chewing tobacco was awesome was for that awesome. reason. Yeah, I mean, I did. So I felt like it was some sort of rite of passage at that point, as well, like a sixteen-year-old. Well, and there is there is something about, and like, that's what gave me the gumption to get out. And it's like we're going to do this. Well, there's something there's about reasons, doing but. something that's a little bit outside of the lines that you know you should be walking in. That's not super 
at least on the short term, it's not like it's not like we were shooting up heroin. You know, it's a, it's 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 a it's a pretty low risk thing if you're going to do it a couple of times. The problem is the risk is getting addicted to it, and the next thing you know, you got mouth cancer. Just just go just do a Google search of chewing tobacco mouth cancer. That's all you need to know that you should never try this. But we would sit out there at the river and do it, and just basically just make each other sick. And yeah. so it's like, are you sick enough yet? I'm sick now, man. Let's quit. You know, that was pretty much what we did. Um, it's it's a, it's so gross. Can't say it's I I miss it. Now, but speaking it's of It's not it's so weird. It's not like even in the short term it's a great experience, but then you get mouth cancer. No, it's a horrible experience. Well, I think people adjust to the taste and just become addicted to the to the they could become addicted to the to the effects that's, of it. That's a big speed bump to drive over to get to your destination. Well, think about the first time if if you if you if you just smoke a cigarette how would you think that this that it's a fun thing or a good idea, but then next thing you know, you're addicted to it. That's true. Okay. I guess. Uh, here's one, and we're gonna pull out the paper that we have here. Oh yeah. We wanna thank the Dunn Daily Record. Thank you for featuring us on your June 26th, 2009 cover alongside Irwin Woman Murdered, Teen Charged, and Samson Horse Farm in Trouble Again. So this is something that we had framed way back in the day and we keep it up in our office because it is very grounding in a lot of ways because it is a about as clear of a picture of where we come from as you could possibly have. This is and we're June 26th, 27th, 28th of 2009. And it's a, they did a feature article. So this is like the daily pe- paper that we got growing up, not the city paper. From the, called the the News and Observer, which came from Raleigh. This is the one that came from Dunn. It was like the Harnett County paper that you got every day in a little mailbox that everybody had connected to their mailbox that said Daily Record. Yes, they gave and so you they would come in and just put it in. Mailbox. They, they didn't throw it. I remember in movies, I would see people throwing the paper in the driveway, and I'd be like, "That ain't how we do it around here." You put it in the Daily Record bu- mailbox that everybody had at the street. So, but we're featured in the middle, right in the middle. And it says, "Enter the world of entertainment," and it's all entertainers. Entertainers, and it's all about what we were doing at the time. But really, ironically, now what it means is, if you were to enter the world of us as entertainers back then, that world would be everything that surrounds us in the other headlines, which are, Irwin woman murdered. Irwin was the close by town teen charged. And of course, Samson Horse Farm in Trouble Again, which is the other one that we, we mentioned. But let me, we're not gonna stop there because. How many times has a horse farm gotta be in trouble <laughs> to make the uh, front page? Twice is one too many. And how is a horse, how is the horse farm in trouble? Well, I think maybe they're doing something bad with the horses or maybe they don't have enough horses. Animal neglect. Ah, that's what it was. Has been investigated again for the same alleged offense. Benson to celebrate 89 years of Southern gospel. Mm-hmm. There's so, like, just that sentence alone, you don't have, I don't think you can appreciate just how many, just how rich that statement is. Benson alone, let, let me, just let saying me break the word that down. Benson. Benson knows how to celebrate because Benson is the place where every year they would have something called mule days, where people yes. would drive from, from, from miles. Miles and show up with their mules and then parade. Do, do a parade. Get, do a parade. They did a freaking mule day and they canceled mule days. Oh, it just got, it got too crazy, man. Too many mules. And the other thing was we used to, there was something that the high schoolers used to do called Cruise Benson. Yes. And you would drive to Benson, which was like 20 miles away, and you would ride around with your windows rolled down and music playing. Yes, cruising. And then they made it illegal. But when we, right when we got our license, so like we're talking like 94, they made cruising illegal. I was so looking forward to like, man, I can't wait to cruise Benson. And they freaking made it illegal and then they got rid of mule days. Benson, what's up, man? Then down here, we've got oh, another thing from Irwin. Irwin woman wins another preliminary. She's a beauty pageant contestant. She's got a bathing suit on on the, on the front of this thing, she won Miss Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Okay, good <laughs> mm-hmm. work. 
Good work. And then former Linden man charged with lewd acts on a child. Oh, good gracious. No, we're not making light of any of this stuff. We're no, just we're not. trying to give you it's some, just, you gotta understand how typical every single article on this is is so indicative of where we come from. <laughs> okay, just, when you say think Harnett County, can you read the read the ca read the caption on our picture because we got a big picture. And right there's there a lot the of wonderful. There's a lot of wonderful things about Harnett County, but there's also a lot of just the things that are typical of just a rural place, you know, where a where, lot of people just get trapped. <laughs> you got women getting murdered by teens. You got Southern gospel going on for eighty nine years. You got horse farms that are in trouble. You got. Uh, young ladies winning beauty pageants, and you got people performing lewd acts on children. Oh goodness! I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not making light of any of it. I'm just saying that that's where we come from, and then right in the, and we, that's why we have this thing. Yeah, framed right in the middle. Here we are. This is. Don't ever forget this. Don't ever forget. This is who we are, man. This is where we come from. And what does the caption say? Link Neal left and Rhett McLaughlin practiced one of the many songs that have made them a hit on the internet on YouTube and on their website, rhettandlink.com, which is shown on the computer in the background. <laughs> <laughs> More than one million people have visited the pair's website. Yes. That's quite a stat. Their studio is in Lillington and some of their work features the town as a backdrop. That's true. That's true. That's true, a lot of it did. I need to go back and help those horses. Yeah. Okay. Let's just pause for a moment and be thankful but silent. I think that's it. I think I feel great. You don't want to thank anybody else? Uh, well, did you want to thank I one just, more person? I had one more that I thought kind of fit yeah, the, do the, it. the theme that we're in right now. All right, and that's do it. Thanking the pharmacist to Elliot's in downtown Fuquay. Thanks for taking a break, filling prescriptions to hold the mic from our epic rap battle video behind your store. Did we misspell mic? Okay. MIC, man. No. The reason again, this is this is what editors do. We had an argument, not an argument, but so after we wrote the book, um we, we you know, we had an editor, but then we had like a uh a professional like nitpicker. A, yeah, somebody who goes another layer deeper to think about your grammar and punctuation and everything. And they and they basically go through and correct. And then they get to certain places where it's not just a simple punctuation or spelling correction, but it's just uh, a decision that has to be made and then they run it by you. So we've always said mic as M-I-C because it's short for microphone. But they said technically when you're saying mic that's short for microphone, you should spell it M-I-K-E. Technically that's what's correct. Hmm. And that's why it says that in this particular thank you note. Well, link is short for Lincoln, but it's with a K, so I'm not gonna argue with any of that. Back to the point though, um, yeah, the pharmacist, as important of a job as that is, he was still just able to mosey out there and, and be our boom operator with no particular time constraint. <laughs> it was great. That's a, that doesn't happen anymore. That, that, that. Well, it would be a long commute for him. But I, but again, it was there was something special about being in a place where no one else was, um, we didn't know anybody else who was making YouTube videos at the time. Not that same time, but we've told this story before when we were doing Commercial Kings, how we shot uh, the intro to our show on IFC. We shot it in the middle of Main Street and the, and the cop stopped. And, yeah, literally and, the tripod was in the middle of the street. And he like rolls down his window and he's like, y'all need, need any help? <laughs> And then another guy rolls down his window and says, I'm the town commissioner. And anytime y'all need anything, just let me know. <laughs> it's like. Well, you know what they you, did? They both saw the done daily right, record. Exactly. We're right on the front of it, so there you go. That's like a, I, we could carry that thing around as a credential back in the day. But I, you know, I think the point is, it's, it's fun to reminisce, but it's powerful when you can transition a reminiscation into being grateful, and it's never too late to thank somebody. Um, you know what, Brian Ratledge, I wonder how he felt, knowing that we put his complete name in our book and associated it with Metamucil. <laughs> I hope he's honored. I think he probably feels great if he's still got the routine going. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I bet he's, he's doing fabulous, man. He just keeps it moving. It's like a train. Um, 
I just wanna encourage you, mythical beast, to be your mythical best by throwback thanking someone in your life. Use the hashtag if you want to, TBT or throwback thanks. I think you should use the hashtag and then I think because it can be done these days, I think you should tag that person that you're thinking if they're still around to be tagged because mm -hmm. That you know, it, it can be very difficult. Just like we talk about in the book, it can be very difficult to thank somebody in person, especially when people are like, there's like a moment in time that you have to be thankful, like to lit to like actually come out and say it. Yeah, that you're thankful. And usually, if you don't say it at that moment, the chance that you get the first time, you never say it. Right, because there's a lot to overcome. Uh, but it, it, there's a lower threshold to thinking somebody through the internet and I don't think it means any less necessarily and usually it will lead to some kind of interaction that might actually lead to a conversation in person that you can have with somebody. So take that for what it's worth and. Um, it's worth a lot. I, I would like to, <laughs> that's for them to say. <laughs> Let us know using hashtag ear biscuits. Let us know uh, what you think about this convo and we appreciate you hanging out with us this week, you know, we'll speak at you again next week. Mm -hmm. Have a great Thanksgiving. Yes, do it. <laughs>